Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Primal Potential Podcast, the incremental anti-diet solution for effective permanent weight loss. Primal Potential is committed to helping you overcome emotional eating, hormonal imbalances, unhealthy habits, and your dieting mindset through education and inspiration. We don't just talk about what you should eat and what you should avoid. We talk strategy. Primal Potential is bridging the gap between knowing and doing. Each episode will leave you with concrete tips for making positive changes that make a difference. Primal Potential is here to help you lose weight, get healthy, and master fat loss naturally. Hello, and welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. This is episode 59, and we are going to be talking about soda, Coke, Pepsi, root beer, all of those things. I am your host, Elizabeth Benton, and I hope you are having a really great day. Now, like I said, we're going to be talking about soda, but these concepts can pretty much be applied to any, almost any sugar-sweetened beverage, whether it's fruit juice or Gatorade or sweet tea, you name it. And I'll be really upfront. You know, you can, this is sort of the clip notes sentence of the episode. Sugar-sweetened beverages are not healthy and they are not doing anything except taking away from your health and hindering your fat loss, whether it is fruit juice, right? Whether it is Pepsi, whether it is Gatorade, it is not doing anything for your health or your fat loss. And we can keep it really simple and I could end this episode in under two minutes and just say, stop drinking your calories, period. Okay, but we'll dive into some more detail There has been a 41% increase in the consumption of soft drinks and a 35% increase in the consumption of fruit juices in just the last 15 to 20 years. And in that same period, no surprise, diabetes and the prevalence of overweight and obesity have absolutely soared. And I want to start by just sharing some statements and some facts with you. And I will link to a lot of references in the show notes page. You can just go to primalpotential.com, hit the podcast tab, and all of the show notes will pop right up there for you. Or you can search soda on primalpotential.com and the show notes will pull up there as well. So one of the most disturbing statistics for me in my mind is regarding children. And it's related to sugary drinks in general, not just soda. So this is your Sunny D or your Capri Sun or your, you know, Tropicana orange juice. It's not just your Coke, your Pepsi, your Sprite, okay? Every additional sugary drink consumed per day increases the likelihood of a child becoming obese by about 60%, six zero. And of course, these sugary drinks are connected to other health problems. Drinking one 
or two sugary drinks per day increases your type 2 diabetes risk by over 20%. And that risk climbs higher as the number of sugary drinks consumed per day increases. And when you add up the total, right, if you have a couple of sodas and a glass of juice and a thing of sweet tea or whatever else, like this really adds up and we are hurting ourselves. We are hurting our ability to maintain a healthy weight. We are putting on weight and we are impairing our health overall. Now, liquid calories, when we drink them in sugary drinks or soda, make it so much easier to gain weight than solid calories or calories from food because we don't typically compensate by reducing what we eat when we have a sugary beverage. So if we have an extra couple of slices of bread, that will likely decrease what we eat in solid food. But if we have a couple of glasses of soda, it does not. And in fact, it often does the opposite. And we'll talk about that uh, in a couple of minutes. Another fact for you, sugary drinks are the single largest source of calories in the American diet as a class, as a whole, as a category, providing about 7 to 10% of our total calorie intake per person, right? Which is interesting because that also is an average of people who don't drink them at all. So if you are somebody who does drink your calories, the percentage of total calories is probably a lot higher. Now, when people argue, oh, you just need to move more, consider that to quote unquote burn off, and I hate this notion of calories in, calories out, but if we were to try to burn off the amount of calories in a 20 ounce bottle of Coke, which is a standard size you'd grab out of the refrigerator gas station or uh, pick up at a store, it would take you over an hour of walking to burn off those calories. So, you know, most people are just not that active. As a whole, as Americans, on average, we are consuming 38 pounds of sugar every year just from sugary drinks, never mind all the sugar in the foods we eat and the condiments and everything else. So I want to talk today specifically about what is problematic in soda, why drinking soda makes you want to drink more soda, how it contributes to obesity beyond calories, and how soda has changed over the years, right? We're going to take a minute to touch on diet soda, but after I was putting my thoughts together, I think diet soda deserves an episode all on its own. So if you're drink if you're drinking this, huh? If you're drinking soda, put it down, pour it down the drain. But if you're listening to this and hoping that I touch on diet soda, I will a little bit. Um, and I did in the artificial sweetener episode as well. If you haven't checked that out, I'll link to it in the show notes page. But I'm going to do an entire separate episode on diet soda. So hang in for this one because I think it's really powerful, but it would just be too long of an episode to tackle both at the same time. And of course, don't just take my word for this. I'm presenting facts and research, and you can decide whatever is best for you and for your life. And if you want some of the references or the research, you can go to the show notes page over on primalpotential.com. And I always say, make your own decisions. If I'm talking to my own clients one-on-one on our calls, I encourage them to skip all sugar-sweetened beverages, period, right? 
Um, and that includes fruit juices. But today we're going to focus on soda because this is one of the most significant areas of impact, one of the big rocks that you can make a real change with if you're a soda drinker or if you're a fruit juice drinker or a sweet tea drinker or if you know somebody who is, definitely listen to this episode and share it with somebody that you think could really benefit because this is one of the most straightforward singular changes you can make to get really major results. In fact, I was just talking to a woman the other day who said that the only change she made over the last 10 days was to cut out soda and she's lost over 10 pounds. And that is not uncommon. So listen up and understand and share this information. So there are a lot of concerns that we'll tackle with regards to soda, but this is kind of a common sense approach that I'd like everyone to consider whether we're talking about soda or whether we're talking about fruit juice or sweet tea. All of these sugar-sweetened drinks pack a pretty significant calorie punch, right? They're not low-calorie drinks. You're fueling your body. You're giving yourself quite a bit of fuel, all from sugar, every time you drink one of these. But are you doing it because you're hungry? Chances are you don't down a glass of sweet tea or a Coke when you're hungry. You do it when you're thirsty or when you want something sweet. But it's like having a small meal or a large snack. And these are not replacement calories. Like I said a few minutes ago, you don't typically eat less at dinner because you've had a soda. You usually eat the same amount. So the calories in these sugar-sweetened beverages are additive, right? Like we say all the time on the show, fat loss is a hormonal game. It's not a calorie game. However, your hormones will only allow fat burning if there is a slight fuel deficit, if your body is getting... Um, not enough energy from the food that you are eating. Overfueling prevents fat burning from a hormonal standpoint. So that's the calorie impact on the hormones. And it's so easy to overfuel when you are drinking your calories. You're pumping in extra sugar and extra calories, oftentimes when you're not even hungry, just because you're thirsty, right? You can feel like your food choices are pretty clean, right? But those sugary beverages keep you out of fat burning mode, period. Now, speaking of those calories, let's talk about how the soda industry keeps creeping up the sizes on this stuff. So we might feel like, well, I'm drinking as much as I ever did, but I seem to be gaining more weight or having trouble taking the weight off, right? Well, the sizes of these sodas keep going up and up and up. And there's a reason that we do this. Uh, the reason that they do this, sorry, the more we drink, the more we want, the more we crave, the more we consume. And they've done this really slowly. I want to take a look at a few things. I want to take a look at how the serving sizes of soda have gone up significantly over the years. And I want to talk about how much sugar is contained in these servings and how much fat we would gain over the course of a year if we just had one of these servings per day. It's really alarming. And I'm going to put this on the show notes page too. Uh, It can be easier as a visual. Um, Sometimes comparison is hard when you're listening to the information. So definitely check out the show notes on primalpotential.com for this information. So All the way back in 1915, the original bottle of Coke was only six and a half ounces. Now, I'm giving examples here with Coke, but Pepsi has followed the same trend. So I'm not picking on Coke. If you're a Pepsi drinker, same same guilty parties here. But in 1915, a bottle of Coke was only six and a half ounces. Now, 
based on the sugar in that six and a half ounce small bottle, if you had one of those a day based on just the sugar alone, not having more than one a day and not having it influence your eating habits, you would put on eight pounds of fat per year just because of the sugar exposure, okay? So in 1915, we're talking about six and a half ounces, which would be the equivalent of eight pounds per year. In 1955, the bottle increased to 10 ounces, which if you had that every day, one a day, just one, that would be 13 pounds per year. Then in 1960, they introduced the classic can that we're all familiar with. That is a 12 ounce can that would equate to 16 pounds of fat per year if you just had one can a day based on that recipe, okay? And most people, come on, most people, if they're having a can of Coke, they're not having just one. But just one 12-ounce can, you put on 16 pounds of fat per year from the exposure to sugar. So we had a 12-ounce can, but then in 1992, they went to the 20-ounce plastic bottle, which is what most of us are familiar with now. If you had just one 20-ounce bottle per day, that's 26 pounds of fat per year based on the sugar content. Now, what's really interesting... If you grab that 20-ounce bottle, turn it around, you look at the um, nutrition facts on the back, that 20-ounce bottle is not one serving. It's two and a half servings. So when you look at the calories and the sugar, you're like, oh, it's not that bad. Multiply it by two and a half because how many of you are only drinking one serving of that 20-ounce bottle and then screwing the cap on, saving it for the next day? having another serving, putting the cap back on, putting it in the fridge, and then the next day having the third serving or that half of a serving that's left. No way. You buy the 20-ounce bottle, you drink it, that's two and a half servings, so don't you look on the back and look at the calories and the sugar and think, meh, no big deal. Yeah, it is, because you have to multiply it by two and a half. So in 1992, they switched to that 20-ounce bottle. If you had just one a day, and I think we all know people, we might be people who have had more than one in a day, 26 pounds of fat per year based on the sugar. Now, of course, if you go into a gas station, you want to get a big gulp. That is 44 ounces. And we all know people that do that 44 ounce big gulp starting out their day, bringing it into work. 57 pounds of fat per year based on the sugar exposure. Now, an important caveat here. Okay, we are using these numbers based on an assumption that the recipe has not changed, but it has. And we're doing this based on the assumption that you only have one. But come on, again, you buy a 12 pack of cans or a six pack of bottles. Don't we know or haven't we all been in situations where we've absolutely positively had several in a day and imagine what is happening to your body with that sugar exposure? It is bad, bad news. And again, these are additive calories. We do not eat less when we drink our calories. We just don't. And as the size has increased and the price has decreased, we have become fatter and fatter, and the pres- the prevalence of diabetes has gone through the roof. No kidding, right? I mean, we're pumping ourselves full of straight sugar, straight sugar. It's not like having a sweet potato or a big bowl of strawberries or whatever where there's lots of fiber in there that blunts the impact on our blood sugar. This is like 
pure sugar, boom, hits your bloodstream, rapid increase, rapid secretion of insulin. You are out of fat burning mode and you are eating a ton of calories or drinking a ton of calories without really adjusting your food intake. Now let's talk about what is in soda other than the sugar, because the sugar is what is contributing the calories, right? But it's so much more than that. Sugar is a huge problem, but it's not the only problem. And let me just say, for those of you that can hear whining in the background, that is my dog. And I apologize, but that's just real life. That's how we roll around here. No fancy recording studio or anything, just me and a very whiny 100-pound German Shepherd. So anyway, um, he's joining us for this episode, crying over how sad it is that so many people pump themselves full of these empty calories. All right, let's look at what is in soda other than the sugar. Caffeine, right? Caffeine is a stimulant and a diuretic. What does a diuretic mean? It means it makes you pee. It makes you excrete water, okay? So let's keep that in the back of our mind. And soda also has salt, sodium. When you look at those nutrition facts, you're going to see about 55 milligrams per serving. Now remember that the 20-ounce bottle is two and a half serving. So you got to multiply that by two and a half. All right. So what happens when you drink sodium or salt and caffeine? Okay. You have, you're introducing salt and you have this caffeine that's a diuretic that's making you pee out extra water. You get really thirsty, right? You get really thirsty. So why does Uh, soda has so much sugar, one of the big reasons that it has so much sugar is to hide the salt. Why is the salt in there? Because they want to make us thirsty. You can't taste it, so why is it there? Very, very carefully so that we get more thirsty. Combine caffeine, which has this addictive stimulant quality and is a diuretic, with salt, which has no place in there except to make us thirsty so we drink more. And I was watching a presentation that I will link to on the show notes page over on primalpotential.com. It's long, though. Um, It's about an hour and a half. It was really interesting. And um, the presenter was talking about New Coke. I don't know how many people remember New Coke several years ago. It was introduced. It had more salt and more caffeine. Why would they change the recipe? To make us more thirsty to make us more thirsty. I mean, it really is kind of a genius way to go about things, right? I mean, of course it is, right? Now, of course, obviously, there is lots of sugar in soda. And here's the thing about sugar. Obviously, it has a major hormonal impact that turns off fat burning, and it is high calorie, really. Um, It's pure calorie. But it also impacts our hormones, giving us a surge in the feel-good chemical dopamine, right? So we we have this sort of like high. That's why a lot of people drink soda, right? It just gives them a little bit of a pick-me-up. Part of that is the stimulant effect of caffeine, but also when we introduce sugar to our system, that pro- uh, produces a release of dopamine, which gives us a little bit of a high. Dopamine is released when you take cocaine or heroin too. You get this sort of high effect. And here's the thing about dopamine. We develop a sensitivity to it. 
So we then have to consume more and more sugar to get that feeling. So if you originally got that feeling with one soda, over time you need two or more to get that effect. Or you have to have a candy bar with your soda to get that effect. We adapt to the dopamine surge produced by sugar and we have to constantly increase our exposure to get more. Okay, that's that's a dangerous thing. So combine all of this together, right? You have the stimulant effect of caffeine, the diuretic effect of caffeine, the thirst that comes from combining water loss from the diuretic with salt intake and a dopamine surge from the sugar. You are thirsty, you have a little bit of a buzz, and you get the craving effect from the caffeine and the dopamine, so you want more. We're thirsty and we aren't satisfied, right? We haven't satisfied hunger and we've given our body already more calories than it needs for the moment, but we go looking for more. It really is. I mean, from a science standpoint, if you look at these companies like Coke and Pepsi and whoever else, they're really kind of brilliant, right? They've designed a product, a beverage that makes you more thirsty makes you feel a surge of feel-good chemicals for a few minutes that you then have to have more and more of to maintain that feeling. I mean, it's mildly too significantly addictive. And if you think that that's an overstatement, ask somebody who has tried to give up soda before. And it's very inexpensive because sugar is a subsidized, quote unquote, crop. I mean, it's brilliant. It's a brilliant strategy, but it's making us sick and it's making us fat, period. It just is. I want to do an entire episode on the common form of sugar in soda, which is high fructose corn syrup, which is more dangerous than regular sugar. And just for the sake of of not having this be a three-hour episode, I want to do an entire episode on high fructose corn syrup. It is sweeter than sugar. It is metabolized differently than standard table sugar, and that decreases our satiety or feeling of fullness and keeps it depressed so that we drink more, but when we go to eat, we also eat more. And that is obviously very, very dangerous. There are also a lot of additives in soda, right? And these are in regular and diet soda. One of them is phosphoric acid. And that's why you hear a lot of people talking about how drinking soda can really harm your bone health. And it can because the phosphoric acid in soda interferes with your body's ability to metabolize and utilize calcium. And so this can actually lead to the kind of leaching of calcium from your teeth and your bones. And this is bad news. And obviously, the more soda you drink, the more phosphoric acid you consume, the more of an impact this has on your bone health. So just a quick word on diet soda, okay? And it is related to the fact that diet soda, though not having caloric sweeteners like sugar or high fructose corn syrup, has artificial non-nutritive sweeteners that do not provide calories, your brain still perceives sweetness. So you have this dopamine release in anticipation of sugar. It takes a while for your body to go, oh, 
that wasn't real sugar. It was kind of a fake out. And here's what happens. Your body initially, when you first took that sip and you introduced that sweetness to your mouth, your body goes, oh, sweet, sugar's coming. So you have this dopamine release, but then the sugar never comes. And that triggers cravings. That triggers cravings. It also triggers the release of your a hormone called leptin, which regulates your appetite, your satiety. So it triggers the release of leptin, anticipating fuel, but that fuel never comes because diet soda is non-nutritive. And so we talked in one of the previous episodes about insulin resistance, what happens when the body overproduces insulin and then the body becomes less responsive to it. This can happen when we overproduce leptin. And if you are a regular diet soda drinker and your body is constantly producing leptin because it is anticipating fuel and sweetness that never comes, your body becomes leptin resistant. Well, who cares, right? Well, here's why you care. Then you are less likely to feel satiety or feelings of fullness when you eat. So not only do you have this craving because you've introduced sweetness and you have that dopamine release that you can adapt to and then need more and more of to get that same feel-good feeling, you crave more, but also you are desensitizing your body to the hormone leptin, which is required to make you feel full and satisfied. So are you doing the damage with regards to pumping your body full of sugar? No, but are you doing yourself any favors with regards to cravings and this dopamine resistance needing more and more of this sugar sensation to get that feel-good chemical? plus leptin resistance, so you are less likely to feel satisfied when you eat. Now, again, we will do an entire episode on diet soda and an entire episode on high fructose corn syrup, but I did want to put that out there because I know many of you are listening who are diet soda drinkers. Now, one interesting thing that's happened as we wrap up here is that as people have become more educated about food and nutrition and sugar, soft drink sales started to go down. Well, the big industries were like, oh, we need to change strategy here. So they've really been targeting young people. They really have. And that is why you see companies like Coca-Cola with these campaigns now of putting people's names on the bottle. You see your name on a bottle and you're like, oh, I want that. It says Elizabeth on it. And so that has increased sales again. That has increased sales. That's what they're doing it. Plus, (laughs) these companies are infiltrating our schools. 80%, 80% of high schools in this country have contracts with soda companies like Pepsi or Coke. It is a revenue source for the schools. So kids are becoming quite literally addicted to soda in school because the schools make money on it, which is really disheartening to me. It is absolutely disheartening to me because there is nothing good that can come from drinking soda and there is nothing good that can come from drinking sugar-sweetened beverages. If you think orange juice is a nutritious drink, it is not. All of the good stuff has been stripped out and all of the bad stuff has been put in, period. It is not good for you. So from a practical implementation strategy, it doesn't get much more simple than this. Stop drinking your calories. Right. I'm not saying that's an easy thing to do. And there are lots of different ways you can go about it. You can gradually decrease your consumption. Right. One way to do this would be to say, 
I don't drink any calories before 10 a.m., Okay, you can start there or you can start at the other end of the day. I don't drink any calories after 8 p.m. And then over time, increase that increment by 30 minutes until and it doesn't matter if it takes you a month or six months or six years. As long as you are making progress, that's what it's about. Or you can decrease the frequency. If you are drinking three Cokes a day, you can say from now on, I'm going to drink two and a half or I'm going to drink two or I'm going to leave two sips in the can and or I'm going to open it up, pour two sips out so that I don't have to rely on willpower to leave that little bit in the can or the bottle once I've opened it. Of course, you can go cold turkey. You know, there's no nutritive value to drinking your calories, period. And this is one of the most basic fundamental changes you can make and see major legitimate fat loss results and significant health improvements. You can switch to things like seltzer water or regular water. And here's one thing I always say, and if you haven't uh, listened to the podcast on how to make fat loss easy, definitely, definitely do that. Let me see here if I can see. Uh, It's episode 54, and I'll link to it in the show notes, how to make fat loss easy. Definitely check out that, uh, that episode. I will say this. If you feel like it is hard, it only gets easier if you practice. And with practice, it will get easier. So if you have specific questions, hit me up. Send me an email, elizabeth at primalpotential.com. Get on the VIP email list. Go to primalpotential.com on the homepage. The email list is right there. Put in your name and email address. That gives you immediate access to my inbox where you know I respond to all the emails. So if you have questions related to this topic or things you want to make sure I cover when I do an episode on fruit juices or diet soda or high fructose corn syrup, please do so. But again, the bottom line here is don't drink your calories. There's no nutritional need for it and it is hindering your health and impeding your fat loss. I hope this was helpful for you. I really enjoyed putting it together. This is something I get a lot of questions about and I can't wait to hear about the results that you get when you make this change. Lastly, if you know someone who would benefit from this message, somebody who regularly consumes fruit juices or sodas or sweet teas, I'd encourage you to share it with them because, you know, sometimes we just don't know. And when we know better, we do better. So I'll see you in a couple days for another episode and I hope you'll stay in touch. Take care. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.